Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast presented to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Be sure to download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. My name is Will Gottlieb and I am your host today alongside my good mate down in Australia, MK Hoops on Twitter, Mark K. Mark, how you doing? Uh, just fantastic, William. Just loving life. Just uh, everything's going great at the moment. So uh, just can't, can't really complain, mate. How are you? Do I sense some sarcasm in your voice there? Uh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> well, I'm doing all right because Good. today we've got uh, a very interesting show planned for you guys uh, that I've been thinking about for a really long time. Um, this is going to be a more visual oriented show. So if you're somebody who usually watches or listens, I should say, uh, to the podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, uh, please continue to do that. But you should also maybe check out our YouTube channel so you can see what we're going to do here today. And what we're going to do here today is make some fake trades and go through, you know, some teams that may or may not be interested in guys like Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. Um, which I think will be really fun because fake trades are awesome and I love that. But first, I think we need to sort of set the stage with the Bulls cap situation, um, sort of lay out what their options are this summer for what seems to be the plan, which is to run it back, why that is going to be a challenge to do, even if they wanted to. And that will kind of lead us into some of the trades that we think that they should potentially take a look at. So, um, yeah, this will be a fun one. Uh, Mark, any uh, opening remarks as we get into this? Well, I just find it amusing that we're doing this. And the reason why I say this is, uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before, but I was I was banging on about um, Derek Jones Jr. And, and Andre Drummond opting into their player options, um, just going on a Twitter spiel. And one of the comments that I received was, I'm not even a fan, then I just want to be a fake GM. So I just find it very ironic that here we are today being fake GMs uh, and, and uh, doing what uh, that, that particular Twitter user was suggesting. So um, it's kind of fun. It's kind of funny rather, but this is fun. Like this is the off-season stuff. This is part of being a fan is just trying to construct or try to figure out what, what is possible, what isn't possible. I think you and I are maybe more of the realistic type of fan, let's say. 
Um, and I, I think that's what we're going to try to, to, to show to everyone today. Um, but I'm looking forward to getting into it, William, and really diving into the possibilities. I kind of know where things may end up based on everything we've been talking about over the f- previous four to five months. But nonetheless, it's still fun to play around with, uh, with what we've got planned here in this little mock-off season that we're running. A little mock season for sure. And I'll just say like, this is part of the reason why I fell in love with basketball in the first place was just like playing GM mode and NBA live, you know, 2002 or whatever, when I was 10 years old and messing around and making trades and stuff. And I've been doing this like my whole childhood. So there's some cool technology out there online at this point that allows you to kind of make some fake trades, sign your free agents and do so within like the realm of what is legal and what is realistic uh, according to the salary cap sheet. And so today we're going to be looking at this through spottrack.com. They allow you to basically do a, you know, manage roster mode. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen here. And again, for those of you who are listening, um, we're going to try to make it as clear as possible what we're doing. But I think this, this show really works best if you're watching on YouTube. So make sure to go over to our YouTube channel, CHGO Sports, like, subscribe, all that. Check out this video to see what we have cooking up here. So, Mark, can you see my screen? I feel like we're in a, a I, Zoom I can meeting. see your screen. I can see spot track. And uh, I can see the Bulls roster. So, they're obviously going to be uh, cooking this up. This is based on where the situation currently sits in terms of, you know, guys that are on guaranteed contracts or partial guaranteed tra- uh, contracts. But also, as if we scroll down, you'll be able to see... The relative free agents the Bulls do have, which obviously is led by, at this stage, Nikola Vucevic, Kobe White, and Ayo Dusumu, and uh, their respective cap holds, which Will and I are going to play around with here at the moment uh, or going forward, I suppose, and figuring out what we what we want to do. I guess one thing we haven't determined yet, Will, who is, of you and I, I mean, who is the Gar, who is the Pax of this scenario, who's the AK, <laughs> who is the Mark Eversley of this scenario? There's two of us here. Two figureheads controlling this team at the moment. Who's the EVP and who's the GM? We need to we need to establish this hierarchy. Um, I think we should start our own hierarchy. I'm not sure what the <laughs> uh, what the couple celebrity couple version of our names are, but I'm not I'm not settling into a- Acme or or Garpax. This is this is something well, maybe people new listening and different. or following on following along on YouTube, or if you just want to hit up us hit us up on Twitter, if you want to come up with a, an acronym of sorts. For William and I in the same vein as the Garpax or an Acme or something like that, I'd be more than happy to hear it. So uh, a little bit of homework for those tuning in. But um, yeah, hit us up. Let us know. I love it. Um, okay, so let's first just lay lay out the situation. Next year heading in, the Bulls have uh, 10 guys under contract right now. Zach Damar, Lonzo, Patrick Williams, Caruso, Drummond, and Derek Jones, both of whom have player options. Dale and Terry, Carlyke Jones and Marco Simonovic, both of whom are fully non-guaranteed. Mm-hmm. You have two incomplete rosters, uh, incomplete roster spots, and really it will go up to 15. But right now on this list, it only shows you 12. But with the new, or w- with just like the way that the CBA works now, you're going to have to fill out the full 15-man roster, not including two-way guys. So that's where they stand so far um, in terms of cap money that they have on the books it is 192 million 122 of that is active so that's those are the guys that i just mentioned and then what pushes it up to 192 is the cap holds and mark maybe you can just take people through what the cap hold situation is here 
Yeah. So at the moment, essentially, when someone is a free agent, they're not just sitting. They're not just sitting on someone's books with a zero dollar value necessarily. Uh, especially someone like Vooch, for example, there is a mechanism that operates in the background based on the collective bargaining agreement, depending on the certain free agent, their previous contract. There's a, there's a whole bunch of variations as to how these cap holds get sorted. But effectively, these players will have a cap hold which count against the books, which means. In this scenario, as we'll know, the Bulls are obviously way over the cap. And from Vucha's perspective, he has a cap hold of $33 million. Kobe White, as a restricted free agent, has a $22 million cap hold. I would assume probably the next relevant one here has a $5.2 million cap hold. And then other, the guys thereafter, they're closer towards that minimum value salary. So... These players just don't exist on a $0 value. That's the key thing to note that when someone is a free agent, it doesn't mean they just exist on someone or on a team's books as a as a, a line item with a $0 value. That's clearly not the case. There is a cap hold and that cap hold remains on the books until the Bulls decide to do something with that specific player, whether that's waiving them and removing that cap hold or um, you know, signing them potentially in a sign and trade or bringing them back on their new deal. That cap hold figure changes, which you will see it change when we start to plug in these deals here and start deciding what we want to actually re-sign these guys to. Yeah, so right now, $70 million in cap holds. Um, we should also point out that the projected salary cap is $134 million. Uh, mm-hmm. With just the active cap, the Bulls are about $10 million under, but again, that's only 10 players, and that would require them to wipe the cap holds off the books, which they're not going to do because they want to re-sign some of these guys. And the projected luxury tax is i believe 162 million dollars as you can see here so uh the other thing of note here is just determining what is who are who are guys that the bulls can go over the cap to resign meaning they have bird rights and they are they're the team's own free agents they are able to exceed the salary cap in order to retain their own players for a guy like patrick beverly who they picked up mid-season they do not have his bird rights, meaning they cannot go above the cap to re-sign him, which means they would have to use one of their two exceptions that they currently have, uh, the $12.2 million non-taxpayer mid-level exception and the 4.4 biannual exception. So if they wanted to bring him back, they would have to use one of those because um, as it stands, they will be over the cap. They don't have cap space to go out and sign a free agent. They'll need to use one of these exceptions to bring him back if they so choose. So I think that sets it up pretty well. Mark, do you have anything else? Um, Otherwise, we can sort of get into signing some of these guys. The only comment I would say, and as as people will note as they're watching along here, is that on the screen, there are two incomplete roster charges on the Chicago Bulls books. Now, the rule is, from a collective bargaining point of view, is you have to have twelve, a minimum of 12 players on your roster. And if you don't, then essentially the NBA will will assign an incomplete roster charge to your roster for whatever the delta is between the number 12 and how many guys you have on your roster. So the Bulls, as Will's noted before, have 10 guys currently with some sort of active contract noted against the books. And because of that, that uh, or 12, 12 take away 10, uh, 10, which is that active contract number, you obviously get two incomplete roster charges. So that's why you'll be seeing that there. And those those figures, that $1.1 million figure, they need to be accounted um, with against the cap. So that $2.2 million total, uh, that is something that is being applied to the cap and it will only disappear once the Bulls start making decisions on adding actual players. 
Um, so once we add Vertrons, we add Kobe or whatever it might be, those incomplete, incomplete roster charges will be potentially uh, obviously overwritten by whatever players we decide to re-sign or trade, whatever it might be. Right, yeah. And and the other thing with that is that that number, as you kind of mentioned, does apply to the total salary. So mm-hmm. it's not like if you only have 11 guys under a roster that you only have to pay 11 guys salary towards your salary cap. You'd still have to pay that incomplete roster charge to get up to it. I think it's also kind of an irresponsible way to manage your roster. Like you always want to be bringing guys in, mm-hmm. uh, testing them out, getting your, them in your system to try to develop them. Um, so I don't think that they would operate that way. And um, yeah, I think that does it. So let's start with, um, let's start getting these, these player options out of the way, because I think, Basically, everything that we've heard over the last few days is that Andre Drummond, who mentioned on, um, I believe, Brandon Marshall's podcast that he was planning to opt in, and Derek Jones Jr. said that he was going to opt in to his, both they have $3.36 million player options mm-hmm. for next year. Um, so let's just go ahead and assume that those guys exercise their player option. Um there is a world where they don't do that, but it seems like all indications point towards that happening. Um, doesn't really affect the total cap right now because that was already sort of accounted for, but we're just going to lock it in. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing, and maybe you want to say this for later, uh, but I assume there are going to be some people who get kind of angry about the Bulls uh, having Marco Simonovic and Carly Jones on the roster. Both of these guys are not guaranteed. I believe Marco's... Um, contract becomes fully guaranteed on July 7th. So a week after free agency starts, Carly Jones, his is fully guaranteed in January. So they don't have to worry about that one quite yet. But I think for the, for our purposes here, um, should we wipe them? Should we keep them on? Um, Should we deal with them later? What do you think? I think if you want to be ruthless and create as much cap space as possible. Now, as I said before, if you wipe these guys, because the balls will be under the, the 12 minimum, so 12 minimum active roster spots, the more guys you wipe off, the more incomplete roster charges come on. So effectively, what, what you'd be doing is, yeah, you'd be waiving Marco's $1.8 million number, let's say, but would be applying back a $1.1 million number from an incomplete roster charge point of view. So in, in essence, the Bulls would be creating 700K in cap space or active cap room. Same would be true with Karlik, where you'd be getting rid of his 1.9 and adding in a 1.1. So basically, the Bulls would be able to create another 1.5 million in uh, active cap room if you do that. So I think that's probably what you would want to do because you can bring these guys back at any other point. I'm assuming no, there won't be any other teams out there signing Karlik Jones or Marco Simonovic. If you wanted to really bring them back, then maybe you could on a met, on a, a vet min type deal. But um, I think for the purposes of this, will let's let's just waive them. Yeah, and I will say though t- to uh, your point about creating more space. Ultimately, like even veteran minimum contracts do count towards the the salary mm-hmm. cap into the luxury mm-hmm. tax. So even if they wipe those guys and they end up re-signing somebody else on the veteran minimum. Maybe it's like a more productive player, but that money still does go towards the salary cap and ultimately the luxury tax if they bleed into it. So um, point taken and and let's get rid of these guys. But I think that is also something to worry about here as we release Carly Jones from his 1.9 million, um, as you said, uh, adding adding another incomplete roster spot and then releasing Marco Simonovic and his 1.8. So as we can see here, the transaction log, all we've done so far pick up the player options for Drummond and Jones and um, 
non and uh, wipe off the contracts of Carly Jones and Marcus Simonovich. So yeah. now we've got uh, nine, 10, 11, and 12. So four open roster spots. Um, again, we'll have up until 15, so even more. But this is kind of what you're looking at. Uh, $16 million before the tax. Uh, $56 million, including um, the cap holds over the cap. So now I think is when the the real business, the first domino starts to fall. And, and that's obviously Vooch, who mm-hmm. all reports have indicated the Bulls are starting to talk about an extension. Um, yep. I think it's kind of a, a given at this point that they will at least bring him back in some capacity, whether it's an extension or letting him become a free agent and then re-signing him. But for our purposes here, we are going to re-sign him as a free agent. So, um, Mark, how much do we sign him for? Let's be both realistic um, and, I don't know, maybe like let's err on the side of being a little bit conservative um, and not just like totally overpaying him, but Mm -hmm. also sort of keeping in mind here that we have a bunch of roster spots to fill without a ton of space. So maybe yeah, you look, can you can sort of talk about what the 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 value, the max value is and how that kind of affects the books and and using that information, how much should we pay him? Well, yeah, it's an interesting situation. So let's also just be clear up front. What we're doing here is what we assume the Bulls to do, not necessarily what what Will and I maybe would like to do. So let's just make that very clear. But in terms of bringing back Vooch, which all reports and indications suggest that that is something that the Bulls are prioritizing. At that point, it becomes a, a negotiation game, maybe even a leverage game. So who has leverage in this dynamic? Is it Vooch? Is it, is it the Bulls? It's kind of, I guess you can make arguments for, for either or. Now, the teams that do have available cap space that could maybe contend with the Bulls in offering a nice thick number for Vucevic, like those teams are the bad teams around the NBA. Like does Vooch ultimately want to go to one of those teams? Do one of those teams really want to, you know, invest in a Vooch? So that dynamic is going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And really why that's key is because uh, I guess if Vooch wants to play on a, a, on a decent team, potentially contending team, those teams don't have cap space. Those teams only really have either the non-taxpayer mid-level exception or maybe even the taxpayer mid-level exception to offer, which is anywhere between, say, 6 to $12 million. So it's not a lot of money. Um, it's certainly le- less than what Vooch would ultimately want. So this is where it does become that leverage game between uh, between Vooch and the ball. So I guess this is where they have to find that middle ground between, uh, all right, we don't want to overpay you. We obviously want to keep you. But we also know that the market might not be as uh, as tasty as you would like to be. I'd like it to be because there's not a lot of teams with open cap space and those that do – Maybe not. Or they're not very good teams, and possibly they don't even want you, Vooch. So, uh, in when you put all that together, I think, I think ultimately what's going to happen, William, is that the Bulls and Vooch are going to agree to some sort of deal, whether it's a two-year deal or three-year deal. I think that's going to be the case, and I I would be shocked if that number is less than twenty million dollars annually. That's my guess. Yeah, um, I think the numbers that's been floated around, you know, KC sort of mentioned that he was likely not going to be taking a team-friendly deal. Uh, to your point, um, if he is going to get paid equivalent money that the Bulls can offer him, it's probably not going to be on a great team. So the Bulls, like you said, do have some leverage. But I think at the end of the day, Vooch is is really the one in control here where, you know, 
he knows what the bulls gave up for him. He knows the desperation of the team to continue to try to compete. And uh, I think he'll, he'll ultimately win out in that negotiation because I think the bulls have more to lose than he does. So um, the number I had seen is 22 million. Um, mm-hmm. Should we, should we start with that? Do you think that's a little too high? I think it's probably a little too high for me in terms of what I'd ideally want. Now, what I think that would do is do something very similar. So maybe, maybe, maybe let's just let's just use round numbers. Let's just do twenty million. Okay. Because in, ultimately, like what would happen is year one of the salary would probably be low, the lowest point, and maybe in years two and three, as an example, that's where it progressively raises. So I think as a starting point, twenty million seems seems fair. Yeah. And this this tool, unfortunately, does not allow us to um, do multi-year deals or, or see what that looks like. So this is just going to be on the books for one one year here. We're looking at um, on the cap sheet. Again, spottrack.com. You can click on a team and find a little button that says like manage their roster. So I encourage everybody to check that out and play around, play around with this yourself. But for our purposes here, 20 million, we're signing a free agent and let's see what that does to the books. So Vooch becomes the fourth highest paid player on the team after Zach Damar and Lonzo. Um, the team has now uh, ha- has now cut their cap hold total from I think it was seventy down to thirty eight, which is nice. But they are at a total of one hundred seventy six million dollars, which is forty two over the cap and uh, three point nine into the luxury tax. But we've still got some some room to maneuver here. Yeah, nine guys under contract and. Obviously, Kobe comes next, so let's talk about him. Yeah, so this cap hold figure, the $22.2 million number, that's on the books. That's counting towards the books, as Will's noted. Now, I would be shocked if any team were to offer a Kobe a salary that pays him in year one anything close to $22 million. So what will ultimately happen here is, if assuming both parties want to come back as quick as possible... Uh, or want to want yeah want want to reunite. I think that what they could, what you will see is Kobe and the Bulls are going to probably try to work out a deal as quick as possible because his new deal will likely pay him something that's uh, far less than what his cap hold would be. So as I noted, twenty put two point two million dollars for Kobe's cap hold. If we just conservatively say that the Bulls can get Kobe back on a mid level type deal, so as we said before, the non taxpayer mid level exception is twelve point two million. If the Bulls and Kobe White can agree to, I don't know, three years, thirty-six million, maybe it's four years, whatever it might be, forty-four million, something like that, somewhere where in, where in the Bulls are ultimately paying Kobe a, a deal that's anywhere between ten to twelve million annually, I think that would be fair and reasonable, and I think that makes sense for both parties. So maybe we'll, I don't know what you're thinking, but I, maybe let's draw the line. I don't want to go up completely to the total mid-level, but maybe we say eleven million annually. So I think that's where I would feel comfortable, but I do want to point out John Hollinger today uh, posted an article for The Athletic sort of going over the value of free agents and his projection, it's called Boards, um, projected Kobe at $18.7 million annually, but he mm-hmm. said that he kind of sees $15 million as sort of a, a, a good team-friendly deal that works for both sides. Um 15 is way more than what we yeah. have been talking about. We've been in the 12 to $14 million range. I'd sort of settled at 13, 13 and a half, um, even 12 and a half at some points, just to kind of like see what, you know, if you massage the cap sheet that way, what happens. So all that to say, 
I think 10, 11 is a little low. I think that's where I would ideally want him, but I could see 12 million, the taxpayer mid-level money being about right. Should we, should we do that? Or are you, um, you more comfortable with 11? Yeah. Look, I I don't think he's going to get anything close to what Hollage is suggesting, and I don't either. And, and the, the reason, but... yeah, and the, and the reason I say that is you've seen a lot of these off guards who have been on bad teams, who haven't necessarily established themselves as starters. You know that they don't they don't have a lot of suitors. Like I'm thinking of, um, you know, Lonnie Walker. Kobe's been better than Lonnie Walker, but it's not like he came into free agency with a lot of money. Um, the Kings guard, whose name is escaping me, came off the bench. Why am I Malik forgetting Monk. his name? Malik Monk, he when he went to the Lakers, I think it was on on the tax taxpayer mid level exception or something something like that. It might have even been the vet men, but ultimately he signed a two year deal with the Sacramento Kings for two years, nineteen million, which is you know nine ten million dollars annually for what he provided them. But yes, exactly. So it, based on production this season, it was certainly an underpay. But I don't know if Kobe's necessarily establishing more so than himself than Malik, Malik Monk sort of had done post his years in in Charlotte and Los Angeles. But nonetheless, for this point of the exercise, I, I still think we push towards 11 or 12 million. I'll let you be the... I guess I've established this then that because I'm not necessarily being giving you the number and then ultimately you're going to be the final decision maker, then I guess I've answered the question that you're the EVP here, William. Um, but <laughs> I, my view is let's let's put in 11 million. Okay, let's stick with 11 then. Okay, so I am the EVP then. Okay, cool. Um, so $11 million. I'm just, I'm just amenable, okay? <laughs> now, so, the important thing here is because we've signed him for $11 million rather than... Well, one, now that we've signed him for $11 million, he's uh, accounted against the books for that $11 million figure rather than that $22.2 million cap hold. So you'll start to see, as William will take you through, the uh, the cap numbers, the total active numbers... The, to the taxable numbers, it's, it's starting to come down now that we're getting rid of these exorbitant cap holds. Yeah, basically you're cutting the cap hold in half. So that number you know, cuts into what the total salary was, the active cap now at 149.5, which is still above the cap, but now we can see it's below the tax threshold of 162. So you you do open up a little bit of space here, but again, we've only got 10 guys under roster. Um, and and let's uh, let's get to IO here and then move through the rest of these guys a little bit more quickly because I think there's less to talk about. But what do the Bulls do with IO? Well, I think they're bringing him back. I'd be shocked if they if they didn't bring him back. I don't think it's going to be a big deal. I think it's probably a two or a three year deal. Something paying him in between three to five million would be my estimation. I'd be shocked if he got anything more. Um, but let's just say, what are you thinking? You, you want to split the difference at four million, or do you want to do you want to give him the five? Do we give I the five? Our guy I the five? Yeah, I I really wonder about I. Obviously, really underperformed what sort of we set as expectations here as this thing is loading a little bit slowly. Um, I do think like five is is kind of a lot, um, and certainly you know makes the balls a little bit less flexible than. Um, they would be if they got him for two, but mm-hmm. I also don't think that's realistic. So yeah, maybe maybe four is a good number if we can get him here. Um, still below the do, cap hold. What, Go ahead. Maybe what we can do before we settle IO is just waive some of these additional cap holds, like Matt Thomas, for example. Yeah, let's get like, him he, out of he, here. He ain't coming back. Sorry, Dave, big Dave, if you're listening, but that cap hold of Matt Thomas that needs to go. Sorry. Um, Patrick Beverly we can leave because it's a zero dollar value but I mean Javante Justin Lewis Terry Taylor like 
I don't know what the Bulls are going to do with those guys just yet, but maybe it makes sense to keep their cap hold there. Um, I think maybe so. you don't want to necessarily lose them, but yeah. I also think Ma- it would reflect better the 15 roster spots if we leave uh, at least Justin Lewis and Terry Taylor on. I think those yeah. guys are going to be the two-way players next year. Javante, okay. they might cycle out. Um, let's see here if I was working again. But uh, I think that does sort of reflect what the actual salary will look like with 15 guys on the roster. Yeah, and look, irrespective of if we can put this through, if, if spot track's being a little bit difficult here, ultimately, let's just say we sign him to a, a $5 million deal, that, or at least a deal that pays him in you one $5 million. Um, as Will noted before, the balls are, and in this scenario that we're playing out here, I think they were at like $154 million in terms of active contracts. So once we put this through now for IO for, let's just say $5 million, Will, something like that in year one, something that's close to the uh, the biennial exception. So five? Yeah, I, I, my prediction, my official prediction is the Bulls and I agree to a three-year $15 million deal. That's my guess. So a little bit below what the qualifying offer would be, lock mm-hmm. in some some security here for Io. And, and, and Io doesn't want to go anywhere. Like He wants to stay in Chicago. Like He's made it very clear that uh, playing for the Bulls is a dream of his. So I think you've got some leverage in that sense. Do you want to, I mean... Maybe some other team out there potentially would offer him a little bit more, but maybe Bio is willing to uh, meet somewhere in the middle there in terms of the dollar. I think that's a fine and reasonable number for for Io coming to year three, five million dollars. Yeah, I think so too. So, but now here we are with the eleven plus. Uh, let's just get Patrick Beverly out of here, so he's not on our books at all. Uh, so we've got these three guys. I don't know what you'd want to do with Javante. Should we hold him as just like a minimum? Um, I will say, and I've, and I've said this on the last couple of podcasts, like if you're AK and you're running it back, which means like the core, you really have to cycle in some new back into the roster guys, get some shooting in by any means necessary. Um, and like do whatever you can to just try to like try new guys out because, you know, you can't have just like Marco and Carly Jones and Javante who, you know, obviously played when he was healthy, but for the mm-hmm. second half of the year, just was like sitting on the back end of the bench yeah. and you're really not getting anything out of these guys. So I don't mind leaving Javante, uh, yeah. letting him find a new home. Uh, I think but we they leave do it have as, to yeah. fill Let's that leave it as is. Anyway. Let's leave okay. it as is because I think the important thing that we've tried to illustrate here is in the bring it back scenario, which is seemingly where things ultimately headed for the Bulls based on all the variables that we do know of, in this scenario, before the Bulls even entertain adding additional free agents, they've, they've just sort of taken care of their own guys, so to speak, and at least giving them deals that what we consider to be somewhat fair. In this scenario, the Bulls are at a 150, let's just call it $154.5 million in active contracts. The, as Will said before, the, the salary tax line is $162 million. So effectively, the Bulls have $7.5 million between the tax line and what they've got currently constituted on their books. And like we said, they haven't necessarily added external free agents. They've still got open roster spots. So you've really got to fill out the next sort of three or four spots, maybe even more really with seven and a half million dollars to play, which is not a lot of money to do so, which is why Will, myself, a lot of other people have been suggesting that the bring it back plan isn't really feasible or sustainable, assuming, assuming that you actually want to add some additional free agents. So that's the problem the Bulls are in. If they want to bring back 
their guys and bring them back at a reasonable number, then they don't really have a lot of, I guess, avenues to add players. Yes, they would have the mid-level exception, which if they used in full would put them over the tax. We know why that probably won't happen. Uh, hint, hint, Jerry Reinsdorf, similarly with a few of these other exceptions. So in this scenario, with with 11 players on the books, with only $7.5 million left below the tax, what we're looking at is a scenario where the Bulls are probably only going to be sort of filling out the rest of their bench with vet men guys. And obviously that's not, well, it's far from ideal. Yeah, I mean, they may have a chance to add somebody if these are the numbers. I'm skeptical that Vooch signs... For 20 million, uh, I'm skeptical that Kobe signs for 11. I think both of those numbers are going to be a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is maybe a little bit higher for IO. So maybe it comes out in the wash, but like, what is this? You know, 30, $35 million for those three yeah. players. I think mm-hmm. that roughly is right. Maybe a little low. Yeah. Um, but to your, maybe to your the point, mix changes. I mean, maybe the mix changes, but I, I ultimately, I don't think you're going to get those three guys back for anything less than $30 million. Yeah. I think that's probably like the, the best hope that they can have. And maybe there is a world where Vooch wants $18 million a year to come back and, you know, maybe they give him a player option on a third year. And so that 18 is a little bit more palatable. Uh, maybe, you know, Kobe just says like, this is where I want to be. I'm best friends with Patrick Williams. Like we want to play here. I want to make this happen. I'm going to sign for 11. I, I kind of doubt it. But again, I think this also sort of illustrates what bringing it back means for this like back end rotation like there's been this narrative about the bulls sort of running it back but like adding max struess um or like finding a way to bring in a backup point guard or a elite you know movement shooter uh that's just not gonna be possible even if you do get these guys on good deals right now you're looking at you know one two three roster spots with seven and a half million dollars before the tax i extremely highly doubt they do go into the tax maybe they have to just as a function of where they are um, I think that's kind of crazy given that they're not very competitive. Like if they're mm-hmm. going to do it at least yeah. like do it for a competitive team. Um, and again, this doesn't even include for, for Patrick Beverly, who was, you know, that was really, as, as I kind of asked AK at the end of season presser, like, you know, he values that final 25 games of the year and Patrick Beverly was a huge part of that. So if you're going to run it back, how could you not have Patrick Beverly uh, back on the roster next year. And if he's making less than like the pro or more than the pro rated vet men, that's going to be really tough to swallow in terms of your ability to bring in talent around the rest of this group without going to the tax. Um, there are some things you could do, whether it's like wave and stretch Alonzo, which I think would basically put him at $4 million a year um, instead of the 20, but you'd pay him for five years instead of for two more. Um, maybe they just let Io walk, uh, because, you know, he's not a long-term part of their roster and they feel like that money could be spent elsewhere. Maybe they let Vooch walk and instead of not being able to use the mid-level exception because they'd go into the tax, they use that money to find a cheaper alternative, a longer term alternative at center and save some, save themselves some flexibility, uh, longer term, I, I doubt all those things happen, but that's kind of the flexibility that we're talking about when we when we say like the Bulls have the ability to add talent. Like it requires a lot of other things going on. Yeah, and look, before we break uh, and, and move on with the show, I think this is based on what we've highlighted here, and we already inherently knew this, but when we've gone through the exercise here, when we're looking at the numbers and going through the numbers, this is where it becomes very clear the uh, the impact of the Lonzo Ball news and the fact that. 
Obviously, he's probably not going to be playing next season. Um, who knows if he ever plays again? But irrespective of that, because his contract is currently guaranteed, the third highest pay, uh, the third highest uh, salary paid player based on the projections that we've made here in in this tool is Lonzo at twenty point five million dollars. That 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 number there is effectively dead space. So. If that number wasn't there as an example, let's just pretend it wasn't for whatever reason, then the Bulls cap scenario wouldn't be bad at all. Like a $20 billion for, number for Vooch would be fine. Kobe at 11 is fine. Io at, at uh, 5 million is completely fine. But the, the reason why it gets tenuous is you just have this $20 million number just sort of sitting there eating away at the books and really taking away from your flexibility, which is obviously an issue from an asset management point of view it's clearly an issue from an on-court point of view if obviously Lonzo was healthy and playing and worth that 20 million dollars then the Bulls wouldn't be in this I wouldn't necessarily be concerned about their cap position um, necessarily based on what was sort of floated but the fact that he is out that he's probably not going to be playing that that 20.5 million dollars is guaranteed at this stage at least that's where that injury really comes to hurt you because it just removes any not any, but it removes a lot of flexibility that you do have where you just got $20 million there and that's obviously going to influence uh, decisions thereafter as well. So it, it's tough. It's tough. And I'll also add that like this is a big reason why you and I have advocated for at the very least a retool around one of Zach or Damar. But I think realistically the best option would be a full teardown because you don't really have any way to improve. We've seen what Zach, Damar, and Vooch are together. They played, I think, the second most minutes or the first most minutes of any trio over the last year. They played a ton of minutes together the year before, and they've been a negative net rating team uh, with those guys out there. This group doesn't work. They're spending a ton of money. And if they do try to continue bringing them together, you don't have the space and the flexibility to be able to add guys around that would help maximize them. Like You can't go out and get... Uh, Max Struess that would really juice the shooting and change the floor geometry because he's outplayed whatever number the Bulls can get. Um, and that's not even to mention the fact that like the Bulls are going to be competing with other teams who have uh, potentially more money or more uh, like a higher level of competition. Uh, they're, you know, they can offer playing for a contender. They can offer playing more minutes. Like the Bulls don't have the most uh, sexy package to offer any player right like it's 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 not like they're just going to have their pick of the litter so i think that's another piece too and and that's why um you know we want to look into some potential trades whether it's for tearing it down whether it's for retooling whether it's trades for damar trades for zach we're going to get into a bunch of different options but first i want to tell you guys about our friends at shady rays because they never understood why premium polarized shades cannot be had at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that offers a world-class product that is just as good as any expensive pair of sunglasses you've ever owned. They're durable frames, extremely clear optics, and great for outdoor, and as Matt Peck likes to prove, indoor adventures. But that's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by the lost and broken replacement plan. So if you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us that they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have you your back longer after you purchase. Uh, so if you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange them for a new pair 
or return them for free within 30 days. There is no risk. Even if you break them, even if you just don't like them, they always have your back. So exclusively for our listeners at CHGO, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use promo code CHGO for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try it for yourself. The shades that are rated five stars by over 250,000 people's. ShadyRays.com, promo code CHGO, 50% off two pairs of premium polarized sunglasses, Mark. Yeah, and look, when you're wearing those Shady Rays, you just look like the complete sexy package, which the balls are not. But you in Shady Rays definitely will be, as is the case when you go visit our friends at the Goose Island Beer Company, of the official beer of us here at CHGO. So if you're not aware, friends... Goose Island Beer Company has been Chicago's beer since 1988. It is our beer here at CHDO. And this beer roster, we've gone through the pools roster here. We've been assigning value, uh, you know, trying to come up with contract values here and there, like IO $5 million here, you know, Kobe $11 million here and there. But this this, this uh, Goose Island beer roster, I mean, these guys are all max dollar values. Like that Goose IPA, the six-time medal winner, that thing is coming through at a super max. That's a max player. That's a max player. So is that triple tropical beer hug. That's also a max, uh, what's the name, a max contract. Now, even in this changing and evolving CBA uh, where it's going to be difficult to sort of maintain two, three, four max contracts, you know, we don't care here at CHGO. Neither does Goose Island. They're bringing through ma- other additional max contracts with our 312 Weed Owl and the full pocket pills. We're, we're going into the tax. We're going into the apron. We're paying for anything for this beautiful, beautiful sweet golden nectar so if you want to do so as well if you want to have an event at, at a uh at the two uh establishment establishments that exist for our goose islands um our friends at goose island rather you can head down to the original brew house at the Clybourne avenue in lincoln park or you can get down to the tap room on fulton street in west town so if you want to get uh, a goose island beer in your hand if you want to have a beer with friends if you want to have an event or whatever it might be visit our friends at goose island All right, I might need a Goose Island beer here to get me through this next thing because let's get weird with some fake trades. Um, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen again. Uh, If you missed it earlier on, this is sort of a uh, desktop-oriented show. So if you're listening via podcast, make sure you check out our YouTube channel and see what kind of fake trades we're cooking up here. We are going to be using now transitioning to fanspo.com trade manager. And... Yeah, we've we picked out some fake trades here that we want to run through. Um, where should we start? Should we start with first of all? It's like you know, we, I kind of mentioned you know trading one or, or Zach one of Zach or Tamar. Um, do we want to do retools or rebuilds? I think to try to keep this within like the realm of realism, the Bulls are not going to like go full on tear down. I think they should yeah. because if they trade one of those two guys, like. It's not going to be this. The, this team is not going to be a better version of itself without Demar, right? Like if it's the same team minus Demar, it's not going to be a better team. If it's the same team minus Zach, it's not going to be a better team. Those guys are too good. But uh, just in terms of the financial flexibility that we've just over uh, underlined here, they do need to to make some sort of trade, if not to like change things up for the team next year, at least to sort of clear up some cap space moving forward and yep. reaccumulate some assets because things are looking a little bleak. So yeah. Um, and just before we get into it, like that point that you made there is the key point. Demar is coming into the last year of his deal. 
Now, do you want to get into the same or the, the same dance with Demar as you're currently going with Vooch, where you may be potentially extending him? Maybe you do. Maybe that's what AK wants to do. Now, if you have reservations about that, this is where you have to start thinking about trading Demar because you don't necessarily want to lose him for nothing because next season you're going to be over the cap regardless. Uh, so, or the season beyond, I should say. So in this scenario, what we're trying to do here is, I guess, trying to actively protect the the balls from just losing DeMar for nothing, but gaining some value back for him and trying to keep the team somewhat competitive, as Will noted. Not necessarily what we would be doing, but just trying to think based on all the narratives that the balls are putting out there is if they're trying to keep things competitive whilst also trying to manage their books somewhat responsibly, then this is why we've come to Fanspo and this is why we're going to do some DeMar fake trades. Yeah, I think the the point that you noted about DeMar's longer-term future has not quite sort of entered the um, awareness of what's going on here with the cap. Like people are focused on the current off season. And if they re-sign Vooch for 20 million for the next three years, Mm -hmm. you know, what does that do to the books next year? You've also got Patrick Williams potential extension. Um, And now DeMar is coming off the books. So do you let him walk for nothing? And again, just do this dance without DeMar Um, or do you re-sign or extend him? Uh, and if so, like, what does that say about your long-term future? Are you just locking yourself into this same group for not just one more year, but three, um, or do you try to get ahead of it? Like you said, and trade him. And I think that obviously is, you know, a, a tough decision for AK to have to make, but it is the right call, uh, because otherwise you're just like letting these two ride off into the sunset until they retire, at which point you're getting worse and worse every year. And you're not even like getting yourself a little nest egg of draft picks or young players to be able to start a rebuild. So I think they do have to look to move to Mar. If you, if you make me pick between trading Zach or DeMar, I'm picking DeMar every time uh, for his age, for the potential extension that he's going to be up against. And for the fact that they just, they need to make some changes. And I think you'll have more flexibility to trade Zach down the line because he's under contract for four more years after this one. So let's look at some DeMar trades. Um, And I think there are a couple that we can look at to sort of retool around Zach and then one sort of like off the wall, blow it up one that would really be fun. So uh, maybe we start with, uh, I guess first, like tell me what are some teams or tell me one team that you think could be a suitor. Well, immediately when I started thinking about where, what does it make sense for DeMar to go? uh, Three teams popped up. Um, it was the Lakers and the two New York teams. So either the Knicks or the Nets. Like those were the teams that make sense. Teams that are, you know, towards the bottom of the standings, trying to make their way up. Like they're not going to be interested in a 34-year-old year 15 DeMar DeRozan. It's those teams that are hovering in a similar situation to the Bulls whereby maybe they they went went out in the first round, second round, whatever it might be. They need that additional scoring help. They're, They're the teams that I'm thinking about. And we know DeMar has been connected to the Lakers in the past. The Nets and Knicks seemingly, I think at least, would be potential options as well. They have the assets to do so as well. So that's my thinking. But maybe let's start with the Lakers, William, because that's where maybe DeMar wanted to ultimately get to before he went to Chicago. The Lakers are going to be remodeling their roster, you would assume, in this offseason. And they are, you know, they're poised to be an option here. They sure are. Um, we always know that. They're after stars, and um, DeMar has said many times that he wants to play in L.A. He wants to go home. Um, They also clearly had a need for, like, a half-court scoring machine uh, in the playoffs against the Nuggets. Uh, LeBron was, like, doing everything he could, but he was just gassed 
Anthony Davis is like as good as he is. He's not really someone that can be like a, an all time shot creator, you know, every single time down the court. And then they've got some free agents that they need to figure out what to do with D'Angelo Russell, Rui Hachimura, who I think played himself into a nice contract. Uh, Lonnie Walker, um, Austin Reeves, I think is probably the biggest name, um, but they do have some tradable pieces. And I think the key here for all these is that these trades are probably going to happen during the draft um, or at the very least, like before free agency. In other words, we're not going to really worry about sign and trade possibilities here. We're just going to be doing like players for picks or players and picks for players and picks um, as opposed to like doing a sign and trade like they might with Booch. Uh, it just simplifies things and I think makes it a lot easier. So um, what do we think here? Well, I think let's try to do a reasonable one. I, I will give you my nightmare scenario soon with the Lakers at least. But I think here, I, well, ultimately what I think with for DeMar trades is you're not getting a star back. You're ultimately gonna probably going to get you know two, maybe three role guys back and ideally maybe one or two picks at most. I think that's probably the biggest not the biggest, but the most likely scenario when you're trading out DeMar, given that he is, like I said, 34, going into year 15, uh, only has one year left on his deal. So I'm, I'm targeting Lakers role guys here, guys that didn't necessarily impact their rotation last time around. Maybe they could have a, uh, you know, in, in Chicago, maybe that changes. But I'm thinking Malik Beasley, Mo Bamba, and maybe uh, pick 17 in this draft. And if we want to get a little bit lucky, Maybe we could try to leverage them with that uh, 2029 first round pick. I'm not wedded to that, uh, getting that 2029 first, but let's put it in there just for uh, you know, for our sake. We're obviously this is ultimately a Bulls podcast, so we want to get as much yeah. assets back. Yeah, I don't think the Bulls really could squeeze that 29 Probably pick. Not, no. Maybe like a super protected version of it. Um, again, they couldn't even make this deal until draft night when they're on the clock because they have their 24 pick outgoing. Uh, to I believe the Pelicans, um, so you're looking at you know basically the 16 and a half of Malik Beasley and the 10 and a half of Mobamba for the 28 and a half for Demar. It matches up almost perfectly. So let's just do it without the the draft pick here, and that works. Um, it says based on the LeBron stat that the Bulls would sacrifice three wins doing this trade, and I think that's probably mm-hmm. true. Um, but again, you're not doing this trade to get better in the short term, like, or to add star talent, you're doing it to try to maximize what you have in Zach and, and probably that two, two man game with Vooch and then start to accumulate some other younger players and draft picks. So obviously like, I don't think either of us are big Mo Bamba fans, but he fits the bill in terms of salary. He's a young player who will need extending, um, or resigning. But I think the prize here is like 17 where you could look at a Jordan Hawkins or, um, you know, I think this draft, this draft is like really strong one through eight, one through nine. And then it kind of weakens off a little bit, but like everybody from 10, 12 to 25 is roughly in the same tier for me. So I think drafting at 17 does put you in a, in a pretty good spot, assuming they hit. Um, so yeah, I don't know. What do you think about this? Who do you think says yes? Who do you think says no? Uh, why? I don't think, I think this, for the Lakers at least, this type of deal would be contingent on what they're planning on doing with like Kyrie and maybe some other guys. This is probably not option A, B, maybe even C for them. But assuming if certain things don't fall their way and they want to get that third star, if that's a mandate from LeBron, LeBron and 
like even in doing this scenario, like they would ultimately keep most of their team together. They would still keep Reeves. They could still keep uh, Hachimura, those sorts of things. If they really wanted to, they could bring back D'Angelo Russell as well. So it's, it kind of makes sense for the Lakers, but I think it's probably not option, like I said, A, B, or C. I think for the Bulls, it does make sense. Um, it, you'd ideally want to get more for DeMar, but I, I think I don't know if DeMar's, DeMar's value is uh, that high right now. So I think it's fair and reasonable for both sides, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think DeMar is clearly the best player, but with that extension looming, the fact that he's an unrestricted free agent, um, mm-hmm. I've said this before, I don't think expiring contracts are interesting to teams anymore unless they're mm-hmm. you know, a team like the Warriors or the Clippers who just like need to get off money. But even then, those teams are competing. They're trying to win. They don't want their guys to walk for nothing. So I really don't think that like expiring contracts get you anything in the way that they used to. Uh, sometimes they can be used as like cap filler to try to, uh, you know, send a two for one. And I think that's exactly what Beasley and Bamba's salaries are here. Um, I also think this gives you like the shooting and the rim protection in Mo Bamba and Malik Beasley that you've kind of been looking for. So again, I don't think the bulls are better off for it in the short term, but um, and, and, you know, like they would then have to figure out what to do with Beasley and Bamba. Cause those guys are both expiring as well. Um, I think this is probably a win for the Lakers, assuming they strike out on their other options. But um, even like if they were to try to go after Kyrie, like a D'Angelo Russell sign and trade with some, maybe that's like the 2029 pick that they end up using. I think this still does provide flexibility enough for them, but certainly it'll be sort of up to LeBron in that sense. Um, well, I mentioned my my nightmare scenario. And this is this is my nightmare scenario, not the one that we've proposed, but a demar for a sign and trade for D'Angelo Russell is my nightmare scenario. Yeah. I do not want any part of D'Angelo Russell. I think the, the Lakers are clearly going to try and sign and trade him for some type of star, whether it's Kari or someone else. And if it is someone else and DeMar is that someone else, I certainly don't want the Bulls to be taking on a, a re-sign, sign and trade version of D'Angelo Russell. So that that is actually my nightmare scenario, to be honest with you, in this offseason, and I could see it playing out. Well, let's not but, do uh, it then. Let's not do it. Let's move on to another one. Why don't we do... I like this one. Let's go to the the uh, the Brooklyn Nets. Should we do that? Let's sure. just do two each for DeMar and uh, Zach in the interest of time. Because, we, look, we, we've got the ability to cook up a lot more here. Will and I have cooked up a lot more. Um, but we're running long here. I, I like this trade, Will. So... We're sending DeMar, obviously. Uh, I think the Nets have made it clear that they want to maintain or at least still be somewhat competitive. They've kind of got some interest in doing so, given that their picks owed I think, to the Rockets or whoever it may be as part of these uh, massive trades that they've, they've put forth in years past. They want to remain competitive. They need a half-court scorer. That's what this team needs. I think they could be a good landing spot for DeMar. Let's also chuck in Andre Drummond because why the hell not? Uh, the biggest Andre Drummond fan and uh, let's let's just do it uh, we need to do that to make the salaries work for the deals we're proposing the Bulls need wings they need shooters that's what they need to prioritize the, the Nets have a lot of these guys they've got Joe Harris on an expiring deal uh, Bulls need to get in some shooting who, who better to get than Joe Harris one of the best shooters in basketball so let's bring over Joe Harris to the Bulls like I said the Bulls also need some wings DFS is right there Dorian Finney-Smith um, older than what people think he is, but nonetheless, good three and D option. Who we can put on the wing next to Zach? 
Um, and ideally, you'd want to get some picks back as well in this scenario because Joe Harris is an expiring. Um, what, what what are we doing here? Let's let's trade. Can we get a can we get a twenty two or twenty three first or something like that? Uh, well, they've got the twenty first pick and the twenty second pick in this year's draft. They owe okay. a bunch of future picks out to uh, Houston, I believe, but then also just accumulated a bunch from Phoenix and then got that uh, twenty seven pick from. Dallas to get Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, I had written down a couple of picks in here. The the way I'm looking at it now, though, and just like sort of the relative value of shooters and wings around the league, it makes me feel like they may just be able to get one pick um, okay. given that they're going to have to extend. So let, let's just do 21 in sure. this year's draft for now. Um, the Bulls are also taking back a little bit of extra salary here, which I don't love, but... Um, I think DFS and the value that he's, you know, 14 million for the next three years is pretty good. So it's maybe worth um, taking back a little extra money because you do remain competitive. You do have um, a three replacement uh, and one who defends and and shoots at a high level. Um, Not really a movement guy that we've been talking about, but Joe Harris can sort of be that movement guy off the bench. And then, you know, you either let him walk or you flip him at the deadline or um, you try to extend him on a more team friendly deal. He's really fallen off, but like that's the kind of deal where you get shooting, you get defense, you get a decent draft pick, and you kind of set yourself up to be relatively the same, not the same, but like, you know, they, they retool around Zach. They still have that Zach uh, Vooch two-man game, but you you have more of a complete infrastructure around those guys, and then you also bring in a pick. Um, it may not seem like a lot for DeMar, to be honest, but I actually think this is a pretty good deal. Um, I don't think... I don't think, uh, yeah, it's it's tough because it's like, it's not like for like, right? It's you're getting like role players for a star, and I don't know how you really measure that. Um, Demar and Mikhail Bridges, I think offensively maybe a little bit redundant. Bridges obviously way more scalable, can play off the ball, but really sort of blossomed on the ball this year. Do they want to take the ball out of his hands? I'm not sure. And if they do, is Demar the guy that they really want to? put you know in to to give the ball to i'm not sure maybe they're better off just keeping their draft picks and sort of stockpiling that way but um i do think this makes them a lot better next year and they still have the wings to be able to withstand losing harris and dfs um so maybe they maybe they do pull the trigger yeah i think the nets have too many wings if that's even a thing that's possible and ultimately these guys are all going to get paid at some point and they've got to bring back cam johnson they've got to re-sign him he'll get a nice number so i think they need to start thinking about these moves but why i like this for the bulls yes the joe harris dfs are not as good as demar individually but i like the idea of bringing through dorian finney smith because i think he does have value in potential other trades that you might want to do down the line um on a reasonable contract a three and d guy has a reputation of being that so whether he's here for the next two to three years in chicago or whether he's someone that you look to package um, again, down the line to another team, I think you could probably get a first for Dorian Finney-Smith for another from another team as well. So you have that optionality of not only getting a pick back in this deal for Demar, but potentially down the road trading someone like Dorian Finney-Smith for a future pick as well. So I like this deal. I think it makes sense. And um, yeah, I, you you lose a lot of things in terms of half court creation, but I like the balance this creates in terms of two way uh, ability for the Bulls. You get more wing happy. You get more shooting. And I like I just like Joe Harris and Caruso coming off the bench. That would be interesting too. 
Yeah. Um, I think of Dorian Finney-Smith as sort of like the new age Robert Covington, where he was just getting like shuttled around for too many draft picks from team to team. Mm-hmm. Um, I could totally see that being the case. Should we take a break here and then get into some Zach trades? Let's do it. Will you help me tell our friends about Comed? I can. This hasn't been a, an efficient podcast. We're running along here, but do you know who is efficient? It is the Comet Energy Efficiency Program, which is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities they serve, helping manage energy usage and lower energy bills now and, of course, into the future. Quite right, Mark. Comet offers a wide variety of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across their territories. ComEd offers free facility assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities like HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. William, how does it work? An authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. These can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours. Within three to four weeks, customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they can start working on immediately. Each recommendation will include several estimated energy savings, cost savings, project cost, potential incentives, and simple payback. So if you own a business, don't wait. Get started saving money and energy today for energy saving tips, lighting incentives, or to schedule your free facility assessment, go to comed.com slash powering biz. What do you, did you say that was comed.com slash powering biz? Comed.com slash powering B-I-Z. Get your appointment scheduled today as we now turn our trade machine to some Zach Levine trades. Where do we start? Yeah, good question. Again, thinking about the Bulls remaining somewhat committed to a retool, not a blow up. So again, not necessarily what we would maybe advocate, but what we're thinking the Bulls would be thinking, assuming they were to retain Vooch and bring him back there, guys. If that's the scenario that we're playing out here, then... I would imagine this scenario for trading Zach means you're bringing through role guys who can who you can help help you now. Similar to what we did with the Demar trade. Now, probably the difference here is you could probably get back either better role guys, or if you want to settle for the same sort of a level of role guys, you could probably get more picks back for someone like Zach who has four years left on his deal as the cap as the salary cap goes up as the TV rights deals come through and the cap just continues to climb. That Zach number is going to look a lot healthier. So he will be a value contract. So I think teams like the Knicks, who I think could be a DeMar team, but I think the Knicks certainly makes a lot of sense for the Zach team. I think this is a scenario where I could definitely see play out. We heard rumblings at the deadline that these two teams were having some sort of talks around this. Remains to be seen how, uh, I guess, how heated those uh, those talks were, whether it was a sexy package or not. But nonetheless... I think that this is something that, um, that the Bulls and Knicks are going to explore in the offseason. And if this were, that were to happen, it probably doesn't make sense for the, for the Knicks to hang on to RJ Barrett. Uh, so I'm thinking I think he's got to be, he's gotta be yeah. the focal point, I think. And not, not because I'm super high on him, but you know he is a young prospect. He does score 20 a night, and he is uh, on a, a deal that I think you kind of have to put into this, assuming you know Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson are not going to be on the table here. Yeah, and there's like a, I mean, they're not like for like players, but if you're going to have a wing scorer like Zach, do you really need another wing scorer like RJ? So I think it makes sense to flip. You get the Bulls, get back a wing scorer, someone who's a bit younger, maybe more on the timeline of Kobe and, and Pat. So that 
that makes sense as that being the focus of the deal. Bulls probably have to trade or take back Evan Fournier in this deal from a salary matching point of view. So I think he has to come back to Chicago. Not ideal, but it has to happen. And then ultimately, uh, from here, it becomes a conversation of what do you want to add to this? Do you want to add uh, additional Knicks players, whatever it might be? I would probably hope just to keep it at that, to be honest with you. Maybe we could squeeze out... uh, Maybe you could squeeze in like a Quinton Grimes from the Knicks. Like that would be ideal. I don't think the Knicks would do that. But I don't know. Like again, maybe this is a Bulls podcast, Will. So maybe we we do it. Um, But I think... To me, it's like if you're... So, as I've said, I think I'm more in the trade DeMar camp than the trade Zach camp. I think that just makes sense for a variety of reasons. So, if you are going to trade Zach, you do have a little bit more flexibility to, like, get what you want in order to trade him, right? So, you're not going to just move him to move him, whereas I think they're kind of getting to that point with DeMar. So, to me, you got to get one or quickly, one of quickly or Grimes in. Um, Grimes was playing 48 minutes a night against the Heat. That's going to be a tough sell. Quickly up for a contract extension. Uh, he's played his way, his way into a pretty nice deal here. So I think that's going to be tough, but um, I just don't know why you would move Zach if for just RJ Barrett and bad money. Well, I guess it's a, like, what do you prefer? Do you prefer Quinton Grimes and maybe one or two picks, or do you prefer three picks as an example? I guess it just depends what your preference is. Um, if you adding Quinton Grimes to the trade, Cool. I'd be happy for that. I think he's a good player, but then I guess your leverage to extract three, four picks from the Knicks, whatever it might be, probably goes down. So I guess it's just what do you want to prioritize, draft picks or or Quinton Grimes? It's much of a muchness as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think you if you're going to do this, you kind of have to get both. So let's do Grimes and two picks. The picks okay. that the Knicks have to trade, um, and again, I'm not sure that the Knicks are really going to pull the trigger on this. The Bulls probably have to throw in a little bit more money Maybe Derek Jones or Andre Drummond goes back to sort of even things out a little bit. Um, The Knicks have no picks this year. They sent theirs to Portland, and uh, they almost got the Dallas pick, but then the Mavs fell into the right spot. Um, They fell into the protected zone, so they got to keep it. So I think you're you're kind of like looking at one of those two picks next year. They have the Mavs pick that is top 10 protected for a few years and then becomes a second-round pick, and they've got – their own first round pick in 24. They've also got a Detroit pick that's protected and a Washington pick that's protected out for a few years. Don't know if either of those will convey. So I wouldn't really want those as the bulls. Um, they've also got picks in 25, 26, 27. They've got their own picks all the way out. So um, to me, like if I'm trading Zach, I want like young players and multiple picks. Mm-hmm. Um, you're getting like a couple of established young players. You're also taking back bad salary. So how does that factor in? I feel like pick between who do you think like the Knicks will bet on uh, as being worse between the Mavs and the Knicks next year? They're probably going to bet on themselves, right? Because Dallas is such like a volatile situation that maybe they want to keep that. So maybe they'll throw their own pick and then um, maybe one more. I feel like that Mm -hmm. from a Knicks perspective, that's maybe a lot, but like, again, if you're the bulls, I just don't understand why you would do this if you're not getting, a yeah. decent amount back. So what's a what's a picker that makes sense to you? Is it 2025? Is it further down? What do you think? Yeah, either 25 or 26. Um, that seems reasonable. It probably seems reasonable for the Knicks as well because at that point, you, you, you we're talking about the primes of Jalen Brunson and Zach Levine, so they probably don't want to go beyond that. So I think a 25 or 26 makes sense. 
Yeah. And this, I think, well, let's just process it through here. I believe it's going to work. Um, so ultimately we have Barrett, Fournier, Grimes, 2024 and 2025 picks for Zach Levine, Derek Jones. Um, no picks in this year's draft, I think is kind of a deal break for me. Um, like if you're going to trade Zach, you, you got to get everything that you can. Um, but if you're the Knicks, it's like, is Zach Levine really a primary guy that you would want to, to shell out all these assets for? Um, I think in the scenario, it does leave them with enough to be able to go out and make another trade. I like the idea of Zach and uh, Jalen Brunson together. Um, Zach has familiarity with Tibbs. So maybe that does work. And obviously they're getting off of some bad money in Fournier, like I said. So I don't know. I think I would probably have wanted a pick this year and or a pick in a little bit further out. Um, I do like getting Grimes and Barrett, but I'm just not sure there's enough upside in this for the Bulls to say yes. See, I would do this deal if you're not bringing Vooch back, but if you're bringing Vooch back, it probably doesn't make a ton of sense. But ultimately, if you're trying to trade, I don't know if this is, I think this is actually somewhat fair value for Zach, to be honest with you. RJ Barrett is a good, decent young player. Quentin Grimes is a good, good, decent young player, getting two first round picks back for him. I think it's an okay value. Um, and even though I, I do think the Zach deal is fine, it's reasonable, it's still a massive deal. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's, this is actually a fair and reasonable trade. Um, I'm, I'm not too concerned about it, I guess. RJ Barrett, like I said before, so, sort of fits the timeline of Kobe and Pat, as does Quinton Grimes, as would the 2024 and 2025 first-round pick that we've included in this trade. So, it makes some sense to me. It's not an ideal trade. I wouldn't certainly be running to you know put, running to the to the Knicks to actually do this trade. But if it's something that could happen, I'd consider it. My sense is this is sort of around the package that the Knicks were probably shopping to the Bulls. Um, yep. I could see why the Bulls would say no. I could see why the Knicks would say no. Mm-hmm. But I could see why both teams would say yes. And um, yeah, I just. For me, it's like if you're going to trade Zach, the more the more we talk about this, the more sense it makes to also trade Demar. And I think mm-hmm. this kind of sets you up if you're able to get you know one of those other Demar trades to process through as well. That kind of puts you in a pretty solid position. Whereas like if you're just going to build around Demar, Grimes, and RJ Barrett, it's like maybe a little bit clunky. Um, any other deals that we can get to here? Let's do one more. Let's do one more. And it's let's stay in the East. Let's do Bulls Heat. And the Heat are going to be an interesting offseason team. Uh, I'm assuming they're not going to win the finals. Maybe I'll be wrong in saying that. But assuming they don't, they do have the ability to swing a deal for a shooting guard like this. Now, whether it's Zach, whether it's Bradley Beal, Dame mentioned the Heat as an option that he would potentially be interested in in the event that uh, things were to head down towards a trade with the, with the Blazers. So this will be an interesting one, but it, it, it'll be based on like who can get in first, I think, in some senses. Um, so I, I would try to want to leverage that if that is the case, and I would be trading Zach to the Heat uh, for, uh, I guess you have to include Tyler Hero, Victor Oladipo, um, and this and this is, we, we, need, we need Oladipo in there for salary match, matching purposes. And at this point, we're going to need some picks. So we, we're, we're definitely getting in uh, the 18th pick in this draft. Uh, and 
and we're going to say we're going to say to the Nick, uh, sorry to the Heat as well. Give us give us your twenty seven and twenty nine first. And by the way, we'd also like Nikola Jovic. Let's do that. Yeah, I think this is more from a picks perspective, along the yeah. lines of what the Bulls would be looking for. Obviously, like a lottery, uh, not a lottery pick, but a late first round pick in Jovic coming back. Tyler Hero, who is is definitely a flawed player, but I think on that contract in a couple of years won't be that bad. Um, Oladipo will be coming off. He's he's got a player option, but you got one more year on him, and so you kind of open up some space longer term. You bring in three picks, and I like that these picks are further out in the future. Um, Jimmy, thirty three years old. Zach, mm-hmm. twenty eight. Um, I'm sure the the Heat will be betting on themselves to be able to like continue to bring in guys that are undrafted. But mm-hmm. I think from the Bulls' perspective, getting a pick this year and then two that are pretty far out there to where the heat could be um, older, you know, taking a step back, whatever, as a team. I think this makes sense. Maybe for me, not quite enough upside, but I do think this is like looking a little bit more realistic for what a team might actually trade for Zach. See, I like, I like this trade. Um, you get back into the 2023, 2023 drafts, a draft rather, you control the heat's draft in 2027 and 2029, which yeah, the Heat have been fantastic at uh, maintaining being a good team, and maybe that would be the case, and maybe there's some risk around that. But to your point, like Jimmy is in 2027 or 2029, he will, he might be out of the league by 2027, let alone 2029. Um, and I think well, clearly Tyler Hero is not as good as Zach, but he's probably 80% of Zach. So in the scenario where you're trying to retool and try to keep a decent, reasonable team around, Demar and Vooch for a one to two year period whilst then transitioning to that to that next period of time. Like Tyler Hero, I think could do some of that. Whilst, like I said, you're getting in those three future firsts. Um, I, I don't mind this deal, to be honest with you. I think it's okay. Yeah. Um I think Hero kind of replaces Zach in the lineup too. So you're I yeah, obviously, like you said, you're taking a step back from like Zach is better than Hero perspective, but in terms of the way that they play and the role that he fills, you kind of you you give yourself the opportunity to remain competitive in that sense. Um, I know you want to wrap up, but there's a couple more that I think are like a little bit more explosive that I'll just throw out here really quick. So this would be like, I'm going to skip the Blazers one because I know everybody's been talking about that. Uh, Zach for the third pick. I don't see that happening. I don't see the, um, the Blazers being interested in Zach, at least as a primary option, but I do think that they could go ahead and try to jump them by moving Zach to the Hornets uh, let's say for either Terry Rozier or Gordon Hayward plus a little bit more. What do you think? Uh, I, I like it. Uh, let's let's throw in Terry Rozier. Like I said, he's a facsimile for for Zach in some senses, in the same way that that uh, that Tyler Hero is. So I think that makes some sense. And if we can get our hands on that uh, on that second pick, that would be nice. Yeah, I think they got to probably throw in like Cody Martin and. You know, they just signed Nick Richards, who's a, a fine backup center, but they've got Mark Williams. They've got some other guys, um, PJ Washington, small ball, kind of, they need to consolidate. So I think this uh, gives the Bulls some rotation guys. It gives them a true franchise franchise caliber player. It gives them some scoring punch um, and just some like nice rotation guys. So this would be Zach for Terry Rozier, Cody Martin, Nick Richards, and the second pick. I kind of love this. Ultimately, like you would want, uh, picks going out into the future. And I think that's kind of where the bulls got themselves 
into trouble trading Jimmy. But to me, Scoot is so far and away more of a sure thing and a better bet as a prospect than Lowry or Chris Dunn or Zach were at that time. So I do feel a little bit more comfortable. And then, you know, Cody Martin, very solid contract. Nick Richards, solid contract. Terry Rozier, a couple years left at 23. Like you could still be relatively competitive or flip those guys down the line if you wanted to um, and just sort of reestablish the organization around a true franchise point guard that you haven't had since Derek. Yeah, I like it. I like it. It makes sense. It would. Re- this is probably a bad deal for the uh, for the Hornets to make. Um, I, if I was them, I would definitely be drafting Scoot. I would not be drafting Brad and Miller. I would probably wouldn't want to do this deal. But the Hornets are also dumb, so maybe this is something that's possible for them. And Lamelo and Zach would actually be fun in, in some respects too. So maybe it is feasible, but probably less feasible for the Bulls because they they don't want to tear it down. But this is a tear down trade that. I would like to explore. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's good to at least throw one of those teardowns in there because I do think the Bulls have to put that, uh, that on the table. But I think we can go ahead and wrap it up here. Um, Mark, this was fun, and I'm glad we got to finally do this. Um, there we go. That's our, that's our background. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was fun. I think it kind of illustrates where the Bulls are in terms of their cap space, in terms of their long-term flexibility, their ability to add guys, and why we kind of think that the time is now to trade one of Zach or Damar, and, and realistically, it's Damar. So um, that, that's kind of where I stand, but any, any parting thoughts? No, look, I think we could have probably gone on for an extra hour, to be honest with you. We, I know you had mocked up a lot of other fake trades. There, there are options out there for the Bulls to do deals. It's just, do they want to, I suppose? That's the question. Um, and seemingly, the, the answer to that is no. AK was very clear that the rebuild or the teardown option was not something they're considering. Who knows if they're considering trades for Zach and Damar or whatever it might be. But I think the, the point that we've tried to illustrate here today is these options do exist if the Bulls want them. And I think the the deals that we propose today are are somewhat reasonable. Like I said, we had many in the chamber that we could have gone to and maybe we continue, maybe we will in future. But coming back to what we did in in block A of the show, uh, hopefully the way we illustrated this here today, I mean, we've talked around the issue before about how bringing it back doesn't really make sense from a a cost point of view or or trying to, from a salary point of view, how it's going to be really difficult. But hopefully the way we've tried to do it here, we know more, illustrative way using spot track and, and, and the team manager um uh, ability through the through the podcast here like like will sort of said before if you're listening hopefully we've uh, been able to illustrate exactly what we've been wanting to do but for those of you watching hopefully you found this exciting um maybe exciting is too strong a word but interesting different um let us know would be uh be uh, interested to get your feedback and if this is something you'd like to see in future episodes and let us know then maybe we could do so Please do. And, and maybe I'll go ahead and write an article with a couple more of these fake trades that we didn't get to talk about here. But Mark, I appreciate it. This was really fun. I'm glad we got to do this. Um, and I think we'll continue to sort of talk through what are the free agent and draft and um, just like long-term roster implications as we get going here. We've got uh, two weeks to the draft, which is nuts. Uh, and then free agency shortly after that. So a lot going on. Um, obviously the final still rolling, but We are a Bulls podcast, so that's what we're going to keep talking about. But for now, um, I am your host, Will Gottlieb, at Will underscore Gottlieb on Twitter. You can find Mark at MK Hoops, and we are at CHGO underscore Bulls. Make sure to follow us on 
Twitter, follow our YouTube at CHGO Sports, and we will talk to you next time.